0: say this a million times if it's the hard thing to do it's probably the right thing to do and so he and I committed that we were literally going to build an entire sales 101 curriculum ourselves me and him and we were going to teach it and run it for an entire quarter ourselves highlight is seeing that effort and that decision that we made to build great salespeople and to do it the hard way because it was the right way and start to see the fruits of that labor and that that really hard decision come to pass that is probably one of my greatest highlights is to have watched now those 21 year olds they've grown up they've learned how to they all, they we all joke about this right they learned how to be adults they're in their first jobs they learned how to become salespeople, but they learned it i think well with the right principles and they've carried that on and they will continue to do that in the jobs that they do so that's probably my biggest highlight
1: and welcome to everyday leadership podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and the life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in.
0: Um, and that was the beginning of that, this insane journey at Shopify. It's be
1: really crazy. But it's, um, there's something around the way that you can clearly articulate the things that you want and the things that you don't want mm. to set you up for, for your next role, for your next leader. Um, Because I think there are times when things are so bad in where we were, we just want to jump. Yeah. It's like, I, I just need to get out. I just need to get out of the environment. I just don't want to be there. And therefore, we don't stop it and be like, no, I want to be intentional about the movement that I make. And every time you've made that leap, you've been able to like, no, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what I want to avoid. And I'm making sure that I get that next that I go to. So that intentionality is actually really key that, that we really need to hold on to as I think about the career as well.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've always, and you can actually see that in interviews too, like, you know, at this point interviewed hundreds and hundreds, not thousands of people, you can tell when you're talking to people, if they're running away from something or if they're running towards something and those that are running away, it's always a, fl- it's always a flag for me because then I don't know if they've chosen this role in this company for the right reasons, right? Will this actually be a fit for you? Or are you going to be just as unhappy here as you were in the other one? Cause you didn't take that. You were just looking for something to get you away from wherever you were. And so, yeah, taking that time to pause and really think about what you want so important we disrupt our lives when we change jobs right it's you know it's how we spend the most part of our day like you got to be really careful about how you make those choices it's not always feasible right in in many cases but um as best as possible to be really careful about the choices we make
1: what were some of the highlights and the i want to say the low lights as well plus building that from zero to the eight figure revenue, the amount of hundred of staff, all that kind of stuff that you that you mark built out there.
0: So those first years at Plus particularly were absolutely insane because we were like this again, kind of side experiment of Shopify's. We were our own little product line before Shopify had product lines. And so we were kind of left to like run on our own. We had the freedom to experiment with anything and everything. And Shopify was growing so exponentially at the time as well that we also had a lot of leeway to take risks and try things that maybe you can't right when you're in a tougher macroeconomic environment and things like that. And and we we're again we we're building from scratch and I had a really great leader to work with who also wanted to build things well and uh, with goodness. And so highlights for me, were I remember sitting down in March and we started to try and define like just the simple principles by which we were gonna build the organization. And I'll never forget. We are here to one, build really great people who two, deliver the best possible customer experience. And three, from that, the quality predictable revenue will follow. We'll never put number three to number one. And we legitimately for years, made every single major decision off of that set of principles. We'd be making any big decision, and we'd actually call it out. Does this build better people and customer experience? Yes. Okay, great. Then, that, then we know, then we expect the revenue to follow. Great, let's do that. So we'd actually make, so what I'd been dreaming of, right, values, principles, we were actually doing it. So there was that, and that was leading to, we were actually hiring new grads as salespeople at this time.
1: Wow, okay.
0: Because we didn't really have, like, again, Shopify had, These were the first salespeople ever at Shopify, right? Shopify was a very much a B2C model up until this point, a growth engine led model. This is the first kind of B2B commercial organization being built. Again, one of the reasons why it was kind of built to the side, you know, as well, right? Like commercial sales culture, all of that is very different and can be hard to integrate. And so there was one of the reasons we kept it separate. So we didn't necessarily have like the backing and money. To and budgets to hire like true enterprise sales guys, you know the ones at Oracle that are making you know seven fifty a year.
1: I think it's out of the books.
0: Right. So <laughs> and actually, Lamorne Paddleford started Shopify Plus. He also was a salesperson. My background, and so part of it was the money, but part of it was also, you know, what he had an idea in his head of like the type of sales team he wanted to build. And he's like, I'm not going to necessarily get that actually from getting a whole bunch of experienced salespeople who are all used to being lone wolves, just give me my quota and leave me alone. So he also was like, he was also a disruptor and he's like, I'm going to hire a bunch of new grads. I'm going to teach them the right way how to sell. So that's what Mark and myself and the rest of the sales leadership team had inherited at the time was maybe like 30 or 40, literally 20, 21 year olds. A uh, first job out of school, never worked before working at Shopify trying to learn how to sell and hadn't yet been taught to sell because I was about to be the new director of enablement. So he was just some sales leaders that at the time I've been trying to teach them how to like pick up the phone and make a call and offer this thing called plus that we didn't even know what it was. And in February, 2017, for the first time, we actually implemented pricing. Up until that point, you could kind of sell plus for anything. When you when you implement pricing, all of a sudden we realized Oh shit! Our people don't know how to sell. Because before, you should, you can negotiate down whatever. You <laughs> we actually need sales skills for that, right? You had to have the courage to pick up a phone and call, but they didn't know how to, to truly didn't know how to sell. And we didn't have the right CRM. We didn't have the right databases, and so we I think we pretty badly missed our our Q one target. And so we had some choices. There's some big choices in front of us, right? It could be this experiment didn't work out. Okay. Maybe actually what we need to do is start to change our hiring profile and go hire, like, find some, like, experienced salespeople to get this done. Or we could teach them how to sell. And we were lucky enough that we had, a, a, again, a finance organization and, and an organization, like, in the culture and the principles that was like, no, you know what? Why don't you take some time and teach your people like how to sell. We'll reduce the targets a little bit, right? Cause again, we were side project. it didn't, it wasn't as important at the time. Why don't you go ahead and do that, but do it now, right? And figure it out. And, and so now Berg and I had in front of us another choice. We could go hire any other sales training organization to come in and teach our people there's Challenger and Sandler and all these other ones that could, that could teach. And again what we realized none of them are properly rooted in the principles that we wanted and so i remember he and i looking at each other at the table after the day we did those three principles and we're trying to figure it out i'd called all the other ones i would be looking at each other and we're like none of them were quite right and we're like oh we could do it ourselves
1: <laughs> i love the oof for the, <laughs> the <pieces> behind that <laughs>
0: And again, this is the, one of the first times that Berg said to me, and again, we made a decision based on this, and it has stuck with me ever since. You've probably heard me say this a million times. If it's the hard thing to do, it's probably the right thing to do. And so he and I committed that we were literally going to build an entire sales 101 curriculum ourselves, me and him, and we were going to teach it and run it for an entire quarter ourselves. And so... It was a 10, 11-week program. I'd literally be like writing the curriculum and developing these slides. And he's like, right from Shopee, right from like, what is sales? What is your job? How does it fit into the flywheel of an organization? You know, to, you know, how to make a cold call, how to do it, you know, all of those things that we were going through. So we'd build the curriculum of whatever next week's course was during the week we would dry run with each other on Sunday night. On Monday, one of us would be in the Waterloo office. One of us would have caught an early flight to Ottawa because we wanted to do it all in person because we thought that would be more effective because what we were doing. We'd each teach the exact same course to like the two different sales teams simultaneously but uh, in different cities, fly back. And then we'd run exercises through that week. So like not only had I developed the curriculum, but I'd also developed exercises for a practice for that through the week. So like, so Monday t- morning, teach the class Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'd have activities for that, that program Friday, we'd all review and do feedback together. And then through that week though, as we were running it, I was writing next week's curriculum and on Sunday we would dry run again. he and I did that together for a full quarter. And we smashed the targets that quarter. So we'd reduced expectations because like, well, if we're going to spend all this time teaching, but it turns out we actually made our people better salespeople. And so they smashed their quarter that quarter. And then we almost hit our number that year. Like, highlight is seeing that effort and that decision that we made to build great salespeople and to do it the hard way because it was the right way and start to see the fruits of that labor and that, that really hard decision come to pass.
1: That's a really hard app. Uh... I don't know many leaders who would be like, "Yeah, no, let's build this out and and create that space and and do this." Because it's like, one, I ain't got time for that. Two, I'm not sure I can actually do this properly. Why would I do that? There's so many different things that come into into mind about of, of thinking about that kind of approach.
0: And think of it, my job was enablement. So in theory, that actually this was my job, even though I had many other things to do. I had a team to build out. I had other things to do, but it could have we could have said like, "This is your role, Shimona." Bergen at the time was the director of sales. He was also stopping and doing this again, because we we're like, this is actually the most important thing we could do is build a right foundation. Yeah. If we, if we said we wanted to build great salespeople in a way that we think sales should be run, then we're going to have to do this ourselves. And today we still have a, actually a really significant cohort of those people that are still at Shopify, but are leaders today or that cohort that have moved on and are leaders in other companies and that is probably one of my greatest highlights is to have watched now those 21 year olds they've grown up they've learned how to they'll they we all joke about this right they learned how to be adults doing their first jobs they learned how to become salespeople, but they learned it i think well with the right principles and they've carried that on and they will continue to do that in the jobs that they do so that's probably my biggest highlight Is that early one? Because we've seen so many of these people develop.
1: So what was one of your hardest times or periods in that period then? Because that's not easy. It's effectively building a startup from scratch to be able to create something that is great and stands on its own two feet, which obviously it does now, but that's still not an easy journey at all.
0: So um, that year, 2017, I was, um, again, this was one of those things where I very quickly identified that Shopify was where I wanted to be, right? It had it was operating on values, great human beings, people like smarter than I could ever have imagined. Like I really felt stretched every day. I was like, whatever is happening here, I just want to be a part of this. And so I'd quickly told and identified that and told Lauren and, and Mark I was like, I just want to be here. Here's what I need. I want to be building and developing people. And if you be building things and stuff, and I want to work with you guys. If I can have those three things, you can ask me to do anything and I'll say yes. I was like, if you need me to mop the floors, that's what I will do if I can have those three things in some way, right? So again, this was that self-awareness. I've now realized that at this point in my career, these were the things I wanted. I wanted to be learning all the time. I wanted to be around good people. I wanted to be building. I wanted to be leading and developing people. I had all of that here now role and title actually no longer mattered once I had those things right and so through that first and so through that I think I've had like five or six different jobs at Shopify in those six years because I would just keep preparing myself for the growth we were having so that whatever Mark or Lauren were going to need to ask someone to do Shimona was ready to do it because I'd been learning and developing myself and trying to be ready for whatever they were gonna need. So through that year, you know, it was enablement, which wasn't necessarily like my passion, you know, to come in, but I really wanted to be at Shopify. So I came in doing development. In the meantime, though, was doing many other things. (laughs) And coaching (laughs) our leaders, developing all of this, you know, working with Bergen on like our revenue models. Like I was working on everything because I didn't care what my title was. I just wanted to come here and build things ended up leading our outbound sales team later that year for a little while while we started to figure out the next model and then in 2018 we made up a role for me and uh that we called revenue acceleration because once again it was really just about what are the problems we need to solve simona i think that you like let's create a set of problems let's just have you go solve them right because At that time, I think Berg had realized like Shimona will just go solve problems for us. This is great. And so I remember over Christmas, we had whiteboarded like here's the things like we need to figure out how we continue to hockey stick our revenue growth. At some point, it's going to it's going to balance off if we haven't thought of like additional revenue streams or models that we should be thinking of. How do we accelerate? How do we remove friction from the buying process? How do we develop our people faster? What are new models that we should be looking at? Very abstract, like, my job description was a snapshot of that whiteboarding session, which to me was fun and fascinating, actually. I was like, great, I just get to go do stuff. But what I found after a little while is I actually hated it because it actually isolated me from the team because now I was away from the day-to-day because, Shimona, you need to be going thinking about the future. And so I wasn't around our young people anymore who I, I loved their energy. I loved coaching them, loved being around them. I wasn't around the team. I wasn't a part of the day to day. I was off in a corner. And I got really miserable, actually, because I hated what I was doing. But for the longest time, I didn't say anything. Because I didn't want to let down Berg. Until, so I hadn't figured out a way to appropriately communicate what wasn't working for me and what I needed. In fact, I don't think I fully understood it. All I knew was I was miserable every single day. And I hated it. And in this environment with a great boss, a great team, like great environment, but I was hating it. And I was getting like, just like upset about it. Thank goodness for this wonderful human. Patty Murphy has my coach who helped me to pick apart and be able to then go articulate to Berg what was and wasn't working for me. Because truly my fear was I was going to let him down be like, I don't want to do any of this. And then he had no one to do it. And I didn't want to let him down because he was... Such a great leader. But we found a way, she really helped me to articulate here are the things that are working, or here are the things that I know that you need done, but maybe here's what else I actually need to be more fulfilled, right? Building and developing people and this and this. And so, how do we actually blend those things together? And so, that was a really hard period because, again, I hadn't figured out how to articulate and I really didn't want to let down or disappoint him. And it took me quite some time. Like, it took several coaching sessions, actually with Patty to really, we did self, we did the values work. So some of that and that, and we really started to piece together, what do you really need? And now how do you prepare and go talk to Bergen, right? In the meantime, conversations had also started to come up about me going to EMEA, because once again, again, I was a high performer. I was really committed. I was passionate. They, the leadership team in PLUS had seen that in me. And again, I'm so grateful. We're looking for places to stretch me. Right. Which happened to me at NPD, which happened at Jane's Family Foods, some great leaders trying to figure out how do how do we best use her, yep. but also how do we best stretch her. Right. And, and I was grateful for that. And so they put this EMEA opportunity in front of me. But with the messiness that is Shopify, one minute the opportunity was there, the next minute we were not going to be expanding. And so I, I think that disappointment was also in there because I'd started to get excited about potentially going and talk to my family about it. And then all of a sudden it was gone so that was a little bit tough and then we finally stepped back into uh the Amia opportunity coming together and so we started to talk about me going um and taking it over like early 2019 probably the greatest one of the biggest lowlights for me was in 2019 I took on the role as head of Amia for plus and I was supposed to move in like February or March and there ended up being like uh, a delay in getting my visa because Shopify's new at relocating people and learning the processes and all of those things, right? And it took until November to, to move me, but me taking on all of the responsibility into my own shoulders decided though, if I'm in the role, I need to be present for my team over there. And I started flying back and forth between Toronto and London, basically every other week for those like six or seven months. And so like a consultant, but to London, (laughs) Chopin. And I'd thought of myself as like this energizer bunny, right? I can do anything. I've got all the energy in the world. Like I've done travel before. This was, this broke me. We got to August and September. I couldn't fully form thoughts. Like I was cloudy. I was irritable. I was tired. I had no, uh, I'd really, because I was traveling all the time, I'd really lost a lot of connection, like with my friends and and, and all of that. And I was just exhausted. And I remember Berg saying to me, it's like, why are you doing this? So my own boss is telling me to like take it easy. It's like, I can't. The team is over there. They're expecting a leader to show up for them. and And I need to be there for them. And So when I finally moved here, November, 2019, it took me a good two months of like, completely like laying flat to actually start to feel like myself again. I really burned myself out, which was a total low light, but it was also one of the best lessons of my life. Because right after that, we headed into COVID and all of a sudden I had a much better perspective of the importance of self-care and disconnecting. And taking time apart and what it could be when, you like, how useless you end up being. If you burn yourself out, you won't be able to show up for your team. So it was a low light, but it actually was one of the things I'm most grateful for. Because I think it's it's one of the things that's led me to being the type of leader I am as well. Because I had to go through that to better understand the example I had to set.
1: She had eight months of travel and then 18 months to just chill during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing your PJs and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah i must have felt really good
0: <laughs> for the first couple of months it did
1: and you think it's itchy again oh, man. <laughs> so you were building during covid yeah. so you've landed you've been doing back and forth a couple of for seven seven or eight months but you're physically here mm-hmm. you can't physically see people But you still have this target this goal around expansion while the global pandemic is currently happening in in a new new region of the world
0: yeah the the good thing thankfully was that because i've been a part of building plus all this time i'd been a part of hiring all of our first sales reps merchant success folks um like the first parts of our team that we were putting into the uk Uh, i had another uh, colleague at the time that from North America was kind of temporarily running, actually both Amia and APAC for us, and until we found the right leaders. Of course, we found a really great leader in APAC um, in Sean, and and so this guy Eric was was remotely leading this team, and then he handed it off to me because again I was supposed to be moving, right? So thankfully, I actually had a great relationship already with some of the people that we that we'd already brought on board, um, and thank God for that. And in that case, thank God I'd spent that time in the office the year before I burning myself out because I was able to develop that relationship with them through that year and get to know some of the teams. And we'd had QBRs and things like that. So, so there was some relationship with the existing team that was already there. Honestly, when we went into COVID, though, the initial priority was no longer growth. Because so if you remember at that time, nobody knew what this was, how long it was going to last and how it was going to impact business. So we were expecting everything to crater. And so we were actually quickly working to make sure that our people, particularly our salespeople, who live off variable comp, that they were actually that they were actually gonna be able to pay their bills and take care of their families. So our those first couple of months, the only priority that we really had was, um, is everyone safe? Is everyone in some kind of environment that they're okay, and that they can, you know, actually um, be healthy? And is there anyone that we need to be um, concerned about? Like, are they in a vulnerable environment or anything like that? That was actually the first concern. Then after that, it was reprioritizing and trying to figure out how we were going to figure out compensation for our people, uh, like our salespeople particularly. Um, And so once again, going back to like the principles that we've operated in, we actually um, worked led by Mark, worked... To make sure that we were actually going to be able to guarantee our salespeople a, a minimum amount, like sorry, like a a a great base pay, like we regardless of what attainment was, yeah. you're going to
1: get. That's to be alright. It's the right to pay their bills. Yeah. And,
0: yeah, and so that way you know, no matter what, you're going to be able to pay your bills, right? That was our priority was just care for our people. It turns out, we were going to grow exponentially. <laughs> through covid because everyone decided to start a business people needed to get online like legacy businesses needed to get online quickly we could help with that like e-commerce with e-commerce was gonna boom who knew then it just became keeping up then it became prioritizing well it became keeping up then it became making sure people stayed balanced Tried yeah. like trying to get them to take vacations because yes we've got exponential growth yes our merchants are in like really vulnerable positions and they're very very stressed but we still have to take care of ourselves like all of those things happened. And yeah, we grew exponentially team size too. we doubled in team size that year. So all of a sudden we're learning how to hire and onboard people remotely. And while everyone was going through what they were going through with COVID right family members getting COVID people trying to deal with you know, sometimes four children at home to teach and or like trying to deal with parents who they can't see i was all by myself in a new country that was in a flat that wasn't furnished starting to feel lonely trying to figure out how to deal with that like it was all the things we were dealing with so it was that year was really more about being humans than it was Mm -hmm. about driving all the things that we were driving and i think that was the year that i think i finally got something clicked in me with the right balance between accountability and empathy. Cause I'd found up until that point as a leader, I swung the pendulum too hard one way or the other. I was either overly empathetic and then I didn't hold people accountable to standards and delivery, or I was all about accountability without the like empathy and learning. That was my year to actually.
1: If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's the podcast worth listening to which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it in apple podcast if you click the three dots in the top right of your app look for the follow button and click on it and in spotify the follow button should be just below the show's artwork now let's get back into today's episode
0: yeah I got grounded in that
1: so with uh, double hiring and all the hiring done over the years I'm curious are there some key things you look for some key questions you ask when you're hiring people
0: yeah some of this might be hard to explain there are a few things Uh, one of them we started talking about this earlier right like are they running away are they running towards Uh, I really want to deeply understand why they're talking to me so I will ask them right like why Shopify i know it takes a while sometimes right for people to feel comfortable to open up and, and share so i really try and get at that one deeply because if they tell me it's like great stock price you guys are growing fast it seems like a good company to work for meaning check marks you know check box for my linkedin status there's a, a a bit of a yellow flag for me on that because you may or may not then uh be ready and prepared for the chaos that is a company like shopify right You've gotta really wanna be here to succeed. Like tech startups, high growth, you know, hyper growth companies are can be really fun to work at, but they're very challenging to work at. So you you gotta wanna be here. So I always try and get at like why they're coming. What is it that they believe in, right? What is it that's driving them there? It doesn't necessarily have to be mission, but it could be I really want to be around a great team environment or these are the people I want to be around. In some cases, it's I really believe in what Shopify is doing, whatever it is, I want to get at more than um, stock price and high growth, which I've gotten that as an answer on more than one occasion. I look for people who are um, lifelong learners. These again, in hyper growth organizations, a role quickly gets outgrown by the growth of the company. Right. So what we want and what we're looking for are not just people who are going to be static in what they're doing, because we'll quickly outgrow that, right? Slower growth organizations, that's fine. You don't have to grow personally as much. If you're only going to grow a couple percent a year, the your role as is probably remains true for many years, which is why I didn't like that environment when I was in FMCG. But when you're growing forty, fifty, sixty, eighty percent a year, the world changes very quickly and you have to be prepared to grow with that. Right. Otherwise People get left behind, and so I was looking for people that want that were that had a really high growth mindset, because I wanted people to want us to develop and grow with. I was looking for people uh, who could handle uncertainty and, <laughs> chaos and change, not because it's an environment that I necessarily promote, but that is the it, it is the reality of a again a hyper growth organization. And there, and as I've learned now in my career, as I've seen that very distinctly from that, you know, my experience with FMCG and all of that, and now into tech, there's a certain personality type or person that wants stability and structure, and they are they're going to be their best selves when given structure and stability, and then they'll perform incredibly well, and they'll be you know healthy and happy in an environment. I was not one of those people, right? I was bored and and all this thing. And then you've got us maybe a certain kind of personality that can thrive on chaos and unpredictability and all of those things, right? I was one of those people that thrive in this environment and enjoy it. But some people will actually will not do well, right? You think you want hypergrowth because it sounds nice, but actually, you actually may not perform well. You may not be your best self in that kind of environment. Maybe you need more structure. So there's actually a question I used to ask people all the time. And it was funny. I this is gonna sound hilarious, but I would tell people, I was like, y- you just need to know, like, like this place has got hyper growth and everything, but also, it's batshit crazy over here." And I would just say that straight to them, right? And I'd be laughing. And I'm telling you, Shopee, there was something that people would do their eyes. You'd, you, no matter what, every time I said that everyone's eyes would like go really, really big like saucers. But there were some people that were going big like, oh my God, that sounds like the best thing ever. And there there were those that were like, and you do have like, it's like <laughs> what do you mean? And so that'd be one of them. That's when I know I needed to dig in further, right? Like I either found someone that's going to thrive and let's go down that path or someone that sounds like that sounds awful. What do you mean? And we'd start to go down that path because I wanted them to be able to articulate where they thrive, right? And maybe hopefully have them realize like this may or may not be the environment for you, so yeah, uh, and team and people who um enjoy operating in teams. I didn't want solo players. again, when you're uh, when you're in a hyper growth mode, you need people that can learn off each other, that can collaborate well together, um, that want to help others succeed, not just themselves. And so I'd be looking for that too. So team players, growth mindset, can operate in the chaos. And who had a real reason, like they had to have like some deep reason to want to join their own reason, whatever it was, but something that would help them navigate through the toughest times.
1: What would you say your superpower is as a leader? Hiring. For real?
0: Yeah. You know my teams. I think I've done a pretty good job.
1: If I also ask your teams about what they think your superpower is, do you think they'll say hiring?
0: I think they might only because they've heard me say that many times. And so it's not just hiring individuals. I think I'm really good at assembling a team. Like, I think I'm really good at putting the right pieces together. And I, I was really, I was really uh, blessed that when I got to EMEA, I was building a senior leadership team from scratch, right? I didn't inherit anything. Hard part of that is I had to do all the jobs until I hired them, but, but it also meant I got to design the team. And I had a really great talent acquisition partner, this guy named Luke, who at Shopify, uh, and he and I sat together. I told him what I was imagining, right? I was like, Luke, this is gonna be a diverse team from every aspect. I want a team that comes from a, a, like a variety of different backgrounds, that's gonna learn from each other. I want lots of languages. I want lots of nationalities. We're building an international organization. It can't all just be a bunch of like either, you know, North Americans or Brits or Irish people who are all English first. We need we need to ourselves overcome that communication divide so that we can build teams that are able to do that as well, right? We'll build better teams and systems if we ourselves are like that. I was like, so I want a mix. I want all of that. And I don't want people who are going to be really passionate about building, right? And uh, so he and I together really went through designing this. And so I was able to decide piece by piece how I wanted this, that team to come together. Who's going to help, like who's going to stretch the organization certain ways, who would take on things that I'm not very good at, like operational execution, who would be a thought partner with me and teach me about things like Jim, our sales leader is one of the, the people I always talk to about leadership and we share and learn from each other, like who's, who can do all of these things and how will this all come together? I think I'm, I think I'm quite good at that actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're good at, you're good at building, building teams. You're good at p- putting people together, but I think there's something also around the modeling piece, I think makes a massive difference. Cause a lot of times it's, yeah, you can put a team together, but if you don't actually model the behavior of people, are like, okay, I like the team you built, but you know, maybe not so much, but actually part of what helps create that cohesiveness is seeing you do the thing, not just talk about it.
0: The, um, also one of my lessons, um, is I, I already knew this and I was starting to learn that particularly like from like 2017, 2018, 2019, um, with our young sales team in plus and how I showed up for them, I was starting to see that that was making a difference for how they showed up and how we interacted and how they were developing. But during that COVID time, it, it was truly, it was that lesson in how I showed up for our teams, like the simple act of like shutting down or taking vacations. They weren't going to do it during COVID unless I did it. That was actually, that's a, it's, it feels so elementary, but it is so fundamental to how we as leaders have to show up. We have to model the behavior we want to see, right? So and mark bergen was always excellent at being like vulnerable and authentic himself and could always show up into be like listen i have no idea what i'm doing so i'm hoping that you guys like we're all going to figure this out together he never showed up feeling like he had to have all the answers he made it safe for me finally to start to shed my armor and realize like oh i actually don't have to have all the answers all the time because we're all building this thing and lauren paddleford would say all the time it's like we're doing things that no one's ever done before why would you have the answers We're building like a billion dollar organization globally in like five years who's done that why would someone know how to do that we're all gonna have to figure this out together all right we can it's okay to not have the answers so all of that culminates then in how i built the team here i knew how to put a good team together but i'd learned it was okay to show up as my authentic self it was okay to be vulnerable it was okay to be caring but it was also okay to stretch and have high standards too right because if you hire great people you can't expect them to perform
1: and get out the way to help them do it which you did as well So rather than being in the way i think a lot of the examples you already gave about how you learned you did that for your team i was like you're there i going to give you that space do you like that's why you hired great people and i think probably one thing i'll add to that as well has been you had a high touch with people throughout the organization so we talk about a growth. It grew exponentially hundreds and hundreds of people, yet a lot of people still felt your impact individually of the connections that you made with them all the way throughout, which is I said it's a lot of people to to, <laughs> to connect with, but you took the time to actually do that.
0: I think all of us want to feel connection to our leaders, no matter where they are in some way, shape, or form, right? Because as as we've been talking about all this time. We also leave bad leaders, but we also stay and what to perform for the good leaders, right? We wanna feel that connection to them. And that had resonated very deeply with me at this point. And with how fast we were growing, I also never wanted to lose touch with our frontline because at the end of the day, that is actually where all the magic happens, right? Your frontline people are the ones that are serving your customers. That's That's where all the context actually lives. As a leader the further and further you get from your front line the further you actually lose touch with what's happening in your business and your organization with your customers so a i wanted to always make sure that uh, my teams had a direct connection and, and relationship with me in some way scalable whatever i could because i understand the importance of wanting to connect with your leader wanting to believe in them wanting to feel confident in the direction that they're headed in wanting to feel heard Right, And I, wanting to continue to grow and be a great leader for our teams and to build the right plans and strategies, wanted to make sure I was always staying connected to the front line. Otherwise, you build very disconnected, low-context plans, and you and I have both seen those things happen in our careers, Right, where leaders sit up on high, creating these plans that don't make any sense to anyone else in the organization because those leaders aren't connected to their organization and to their customers. So it's twofold, um, and I have actually always told all of my my teams and my and particularly leaders that as like if there's anything I can encourage you to invest in, it's relationship building, right? It has to become different and more scalable over time, right? Sometimes it's got to be more one to many, but you as thinking about building trust, transparency, connection with your people, like think of those objectives, and then you can figure out when it's one to one. When it's one to many, you know, when it's a talk, when it's a letter, but you've got to find ways to connect with your people and then conversely have them be able to connect with you.
1: So, how do you define leadership?
0: How do I define leadership? I think leadership is the opportunity to be a part of helping other people realize their potential. And in turn, from that, to be able to help an organization, a business, a country, whatever, to realize its potential.
1: You've now come to the end of your Shopify chapter. Yeah. Six years, billions of dollars in in revenue, hundreds and hundreds, or thousands of hires over that period of time, a lot of learning. How do you know when it's time to step away? For yourself.
0: I booked a conversation with you. (laughs) No. Oh, so so actually it this it started for me a couple of years ago. Um with Patty, who is my coach at the time at Shopify. Something had started to niggle in me where I was I was realizing, I think I was really starting, like I was talking about my journey and self-awareness throughout. I think I've been, I'd st- I was starting to come to a culmination of realizing what I'm actually here to do on this earth, the impact I'd like to have, but I was having problem articulating it in my head. Uh, but what, and so the conversation I'd started with Patty is I'm starting to feel like I know that I'm going to show up, whatever company I go and work for, or wherever I show up, I do a great job. Like that evidence is here, right? i will I'll outperform, I'll work hard. I will deliver for whatever the mission of that company is. But what I'm trying to figure out is how is all of that threading together into Shimona's story? What is the, what is it? The, what is the impact or what is Shimona's mission? What is the impact Shimona had on the world? What will I be able to say I contributed? Right. And in knowing that then how will I make decisions about my career? Right. And so she and I actually went on a journey together for almost a year of like really thinking about my future self, what it is that drives me. We revisited values when I feel most fulfilled. What am I most passionate about? We did all of those things and it really did come down to, I am here to help demonstrate to the world what great empathetic people focused leadership can actually achieve because I believe deeply that diverse, healthy, happy teams are actually more successful than the opposite. And I think that we're seeing too many examples in this world today of a very different type of leadership that we see, whether it's in government or in the tech world, where it's just mission product first and forget everything else that might get you results for a little while, but I actually don't think it gets you long-term innovation and creativity and success and all of those things. And I think I've now been able to demonstrate that that's true, right? Because I've, 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 I've had this opportunity to build that, right? Receipts. I, I got the receipt. <laughs> so I know I can do it. And, and I've also, as I've continued to grow, become more and more passionate about widening the road for women in whatever their path to road to success is. Whether it's executive leadership or something else, I am constantly tired of being the only at the table and uh, and I don't want to be because again, I've learned the best organizations are the most diverse, right? I don't want to be the checkbox person at the table. I want it to be a table that was built thinking about building a diverse table because it'll it'll come from better results. So my life's work is about building great organizations, demonstrating what great leadership is, and widening the road for women. And that's been how I've been thinking through the decisions in my life and my career. And for a couple of years, it still made sense at Shopify. You know, I was, I was still building the Mia organization. I was getting to test my theories in leadership.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Mindset Shift, a leadership development company focused on helping you lead from the inside out, not from the outside in. We work one-on-one with senior leaders in organizations. We work directly with HR and other parts of organizations to help you create an authentic culture where your words and your values and your actions all align. We help you to navigate the complexity and the chaos that we all experience day in and day out. And we have a couple of openings for the one-to-one coaching this year, but that's something that you're interested in. If you want to work with a coach who can help you navigate this year to ensure that you're intentional to take your leadership skills personally and professionally to the next level, send me an email at hello at mindsetshift.co.uk or just go to the website www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Now let's get back into today's episode.
0: Right, I was building the senior leadership team, I was developing our people, I was able to be externally facing for Shopify and really, and using that opportunity to also talk about what I thought great leadership was, hiring teams, and all of that. So that's been wonderful. But then I got to a point where I now needed to step out of comfort again into discomfort. I now needed to put myself, if I'm going to do this and do it well and have a, the impact on the world that I want to have, I'm gonna to have to continue to stretch myself further and further. And so that means I need to make harder decisions and be in potentially, whatever it's larger roles, more prominent roles. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is yet because I've promised you that I won't think about it a few months, but whatever it is, it will be in service to that mission. In the meantime, I have all these other great skills that I'll bring to whatever organization or whatever it is I do, right? I can build commercial organizations, I can expand internationally, I can build great things. I can build sales teams. That's what they'll get. I will get the opportunity to do it my way.
1: I love that because when I look over your career, every time you've been intentional, whatever you have stepped into built nets has been absolutely amazing. And you now being intentional now around your life's work, your life's mission, you already made an impact in the world, whether you believe it or not, you already have done that. But the more, the, the impact you're gonna make in the future, being very intentional about it is it's not an easy decision to make but it's such a fulfilling one and i think it's really important to even give courage to other leaders who are thinking about that because stepping away from a massive company a role all of that kind of stuff it's like what What am i gonna do that again? but knowing that actually listening to you listen to your journalists to your experience be like actually you know what it's valuable. It's key. It's important. It's sometimes necessary. It gives other people confidence that, well, if someone like Shimon is doing that, then maybe I can do that. Maybe I can step into that. So,
0: I mean, this is all me now. With you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, being able to piece together that path at the time, right? I didn't know what all of that was leading to. Right? Again, we go back to Jane's family food and chicken to here. I didn't know where it was going to lead, and I, I slowly became, right, and I slowly over time started to learn what I'm good at, what I'm passionate about, um, and slowly started to make intentional decisions around it With no necess- without necessarily a grand plan in place, but it was the next right decision. I think that's one of the key things that, you know, anyone who's thinking about their careers, I often find people are looking for like, they need to know exactly what the ultimate destination is so that they can create their path. Like that's not necessarily the case, right? I didn't, but can, you can make the next right decision because again, nothing in life is irreversible except having a baby, as my dad would say. <laughs> so you could go try the next thing. If it doesn't work out, you're gonna pivot because we all have very long careers, so long lives. There's no one decision that's somehow going to derail your career or your future success. There will all be inputs into who you become.
1: So what are you looking forward to in your break?
0: I've slept a lot already. That first week off, I was sleeping like 10 or 11 hours a night. Like, a... <laughs> <laughs> I slept a lot. Uh, I think I'm past that part now. Now, uh, these next few weeks that I'm still in London, honestly, I'm really just excited to spend time with a lot of the people that I care about, which are the folks on my team. I've got a lot of dinners and lunches and all of the catch-ups together. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that time with them. And then after that, when I move back to Toronto, it will be just reconnecting with friends and family. And again, with COVID, these are all people that I've not necessarily gotten to see as much as I wanted to when I moved. Because we couldn't see each other, right? And so there's a lot of people. I'm a very social, outgoing person. If you can't. Seriously? Were... What?
1: No. no. Never. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have all of these incredible, like, you know, circles of friends and most of them that I haven't seen. So I'm really excited to see people again. People have had babies that I've never met or gotten married. And I like just to celebrate each other will be really nice. I think one of the things I'm most excited about, though, is I'm taking each of my parents on a trip. I'd seen one of those charts, it was on Twitter, it floats around every little once in a while, that was showing like 90% of the time that you'll ever spend with your parents is done by the time you're 18. So this chart looks kind of like this and then drops off. And that really made me think about, you know, wanting to spend some quality time and make sure I was fostering right relationships with each of my parents. So in March, my dad and I are going to Egypt and Jordan and Israel. And then in April, my mom and I are going to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And then in between, we'll see what happens.
1: That's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's your time. Mm-hmm. You, know? you just you get to decide how that time, how you utilize that time, just just to be, yeah. to be with you, without anywhere in the world. Yeah. Wake up whenever you want. Do whatever you want. Sounds so good, doesn't it?
0: It sounds great. I will tell you though, I'm two weeks into this, and. Uh, it sounds really great but i'm still getting used to it um and i'm i am still struggling with feeling unproductive Mm -hmm. right like i'm supposed to what do you what do you mean i'm just going to do things for me or that i feel like or that i enjoy like there's um yeah i feel like i'm missing contributing or being productive or having a responsibility of some kind and so i think it'll take a little bit longer for me to get used to that but i Have committed to getting
1: used to it yes that's that's lesson itself. it's a hard one, <laughs> especially when you're when you're high performing, it's really, really hard because you're so used to being able to do to doing yeah. rather than being yeah. and we are being like we're human beings we actually that's what the fundamental foundations, but we forget the element of it, so this is a great reminder of just being yep, so yeah, reconditioning not easy at
0: all <laughs> no, no, this is not. But I will say it's. I feel like it's a good problem to have, yeah. right? If my problem is trying to learn how to relax, I feel like I'm in a pretty <laughs> privileged. I'm, I'm in a pretty privileged.
1: You worked hard. You worked hard to get to that position. So yeah, So utilize it. And um, as we wrap up, there's something around something you said that really stood out to me about when you think about you, your life's work, being a woman, being a woman of color, and all the things you've done. And I think that about even the armour you described, it got me really thinking about how do you encourage other people to, you still need the armour to be able to navigate, but you need to know when to be able to let it down, to let other people in and let other people help you. What advice would you give someone to be able to navigate that? If they're woman, personal colour, minority particular.
0: If i'm having that conversation with someone it's probably because they always have their armor on and i would probably try and air them towards taking it down even more than they think is appropriate or comfortable so there was something that uh, Bozema saint john the uh, who i think is a, a really great like she's an authentic leader she built a great personal brand if you're not familiar with her she's been a leader at pepsi and Netflix right I've heard her speak a couple of times I've I've had a a chance to meet her once or twice and there's actually one thing that she said that helped me so much I actually I think I I spoke to her about this in 2017 so again this was early in my Shopify time and it helped me so much and she said that she realized that all of the effort that she was putting into showing up a certain way every day that she thought was appropriate dressing a specific way showing up in meetings and speaking a certain way she goes all of that effort and energy that I was putting into that was taking away from the energy I should have been putting into being creative and innovative and so when I took my armor down it was not about the armor it was about the effort and energy that goes into that and all the thought process she goes once I decided to just be me all of that incredible energy now gets to go into being amazing at what you do and being creative and being innovative and performing and and all of that and she goes and that is when I started to flourish right and so that's probably the advice I give to people when they're thinking about it's not about like when to take the armor on and off think about where the energy is going and that it helped that advice helped me I remember when she said that helped me so much because I started to realize again I'm in an environment where I want to be and I need to be creative and strategic and innovative and and be able to think outside the box, if I'm putting all my time and energy into thinking about exactly how I'm talking and showing up and speaking, I'm not going to put energy into that. So that was when I decided to take the chance to take it down.
1: That's such a perfect way to end it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, honestly, I, I appreciate you as someone who is authentically always showing up. Sometimes it's your own detriment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but that's just part of who you are but you've always shown up and um appreciate your time today of just just sharing i this felt like a like a mix between a, a master class a fireside chat and just navigating your whole journey of what makes you you what makes you such a great leader and whatever you step into next whoever gets the pleasure of having you lead something next they're going to be in for such a great time. So we appreciate you. Thanks, Shimona.
0: I enjoyed this. I actually forgot the microphones were here. I felt like it was just you and me talking. should me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the Leadership, and we'll see you next week. While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out 10 year old in quasi world
0: perceived as less than smart below average um very um what would be the word
1: a bit of a pushover and um was i think very much bullied and a lot of my talents that people are
0: that know about me now, that say, oh, Ingozi's, this and Ingozi's, that was probably quite dormant um, at that age. So that was 10-year-old Ingozi, really, was contrastingly different to 15-year-old Ingozi because of the circumstances she was experiencing in that time.